Judges chapter 17. You know, this portion of the Bible, you might say, and like others like it, are the reasons some people say the Bible is an awful book. There's some awful things recorded in these last, was it four or five chapters of Judges? But it all starts with this process of thinking right here. Um, this is, you know, of course, chapter, was it chapter 18 or 19? It's chapter 19, where the uh, concubine is abused and the guy cuts her up in 12 pieces and sends her a piece to every tribe. Uh, this, oh, it really is kind of gross, but anyway. So, yeah, but the point is, God records the depravity and the depths of sin that man will go when he rebels against him. To show us what man really is without God. He's just like a brute beast. really is. Anyway, Judges chapter 17. The title of the message tonight is The Deception of Will Worship. Now, will worship is a phrase that comes from Colossians chapter 2 and verse 22. Um, and will worship is self-willed worship. In other words, something I design, something I make up. And uh, we'll see the deception of that tonight. Judges 17. And there was a man, a man of mine Ephraim, whose name was Micah. And he said unto his mother, The 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from thee, about which thou cursest, and spakest of also in mine ears, behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be thou the Lord, my son. I'm not sure if I'd said that if my son took that much money. Because you have to understand that ten shekels is a year's wage. Eleven hundred shekels would be 110 years of wages. Think about that. This, this, This gal had some money. Anyway. Blessed be thou of the Lord, my son. And when he had restored the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord from my hand for my son. Now, that would be good if she stopped there, but didn't. To make a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will restore it unto thee. Yet he restored the money unto his mother, and his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the founder, who made thereof a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had an house of gods, and made an ephod, and teraphim, consecrated one of his sons, who became his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. There was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. The man departed out of the city from Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn where he could find a place. And he came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, as he journeyed. And Micah said unto him, Whence comest thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and I go to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a priest, and I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year, and a suit of apparel, and thy victuals. So the Levite went in, and the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man was unto him as one of his sons. And Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest, and was in the house of Micah. Then said Micah, now know I that the Lord will do me good, 
seeing I have a Levite to my priest. Now, as you think about this portion of the book of Judges, and I think I mentioned this when we started Judges, this portion from here to the end really takes place around chapters 2 and chapter 3, and, and, and even possibly in the time of Joshua chapter 19. Uh, so, again, the book of Judges is not chronological. Uh, so this was early on in the book of Judges, and, and it gives you an understanding as to why uh, the apostasy, continual apostasy, you know, back and forth uh, in the book of Judges. There was never, never complete victory over or turning away from idol worship during this time. Complete. It didn't happen. There were parts of the country that would do so at certain times, but but never a complete revival of of the the of the uh, uh, right worship of the Lord uh, during this time. So so we're introduced to this man Micah. His you know the name Micah means who is like God, but as you'll see, uh, his name really doesn't mean anything. Uh, obviously, his mother was quite wealthy. And, and, of course, you have here someone stole, and she didn't know who at the time, someone, someone stole 1,100 shekels of silver from her, um, which is a lot of money. And so she, she makes this, pronounces this curse in verse 2. He said unto his mother, The 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from thee, about which thou cursest, and spakest also of also in mine ears, behold, the silver is with me, I took it. Uh, and... And his mother said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my son. So Matthew Henry said this in his commentary. He said about her cursing the thief, uh, not knowing that it was her son, or maybe she did, I don't know. But anyway, he said this, I quote, Outward losses drive good people to their prayers, but bad people to their curses, unquote. Uh, we don't know the nature of her curse, but it was severe enough, and obviously it says here, uh, he, he spake this also in mine ears, so she, he heard the curse. It was severe enough to scare her son and to confess uh, that he stole the money from her. So having confessed his stealing, however, he doesn't really make it right. Go to Leviticus chapter 6. Le- Leviticus chapter 6. There's two things that were required of Micah to do after returning the money. Leviticus 6, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, If a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord, and lie unto his neighbor in that which was delivered him to keep, or in fellowship, or in a thing taken away by violence, or hath deceived his neighbor, or have found that which was lost, and lieth concerning it, and sweareth falsely, and any of all these that a man doeth, sinning therein, then it shall be, because he has sinned and is guilty, that he shall restore that which he took violently away, or the thing which he hath deceitfully gotten, or that which was delivered him to keep, or the lost thing which he found, or all that was about which he hath sworn falsely. He shall even restore it in principle. Now, he did that. But notice this. And shall add the fifth part more thereto, and give it unto him to whom it appertaineth, 
in the day of his trespass offering. So he's supposed to return what he has taken, and then he's supposed to add a fifth part of it. That's a consequence for stealing. And then, furthermore, in verse 6, And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord, a ram without blemish out of the flock, with thy estimation, for a trespass offering unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord, and it shall be forgiven him for anything of all that he hath done in trespassing therein. So, so two things here. He was supposed to present his guilt offering to the Lord of the tabernacle. You know, he was to confess his sin to the Lord and offer a, a guilt offering through the priest to receive forgiveness for his sin. And in the, and at the same time, he was to pay back the principal and add a fifth part to it on top of the principal from whom he stole it. The only thing he did is pay back what he stole. You know, if we're going to have forgiveness of sin, if we're going to be made right with God, we have to come to God his way. We have to agree with God about our sin and agree with God as to the consequences of our sin. 1 John 1, nine says, if we confess our sins, and the word confess there means really to agree with God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, and she doesn't correct him for this. Instead, she replies in verse 3, in, in, or yeah, there in verse Verse 2, blessed be thou of, my, of the Lord, my son. Uh, and then she says this in verse 3, And when he had restored the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord for my hand for my son, to make a graven image and a molten image. Now therefore I restore it unto thee. Uh, so you know, this, this might appear to be a, a great expression of worship, to God? She says she dedicated it wholly unto the Lord. But then she went on to say to make a carved image and cast an idol. And a molten image. Matthew Henry again says this is a deviation to self-serving idolatry and demon worship. So she hired a silversmith, verse 5 tells us, she hires a silversmith, uh, uh, verse 4 actually, she gave them to the founder, the end of the verse, who made there of a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. So she said she dedicated all of it to the Lord, and then she took 200 of it and makes a, a graven image, which would be something that was just, just uh, uh, silver-plated. But then they also make a molten image, which would be solid silver, and, and they put them in the house of Micah. Uh, where he, you know, he installed them. Uh, you know, they, he had a shrine there uh, in his house, and then he installed one of his sons as priests. So we see here, Micah didn't deal with his sin of stealing in God's way. So it's not surprising that he disregarded God, who prohibited him then from making any carved images or molten images. You know, again, the Bible says in Exodus 20, verse 4, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Again, in verse 23, Ye shall not make with me gods of silver, and neither shall you make unto you gods of gold. 
So, so he makes these these images, and he makes uh, an ephod and teraphims. Teraphims were things which were used in in inquiring the will of the gods. It's like divining, you know. You know, the, the, the priest had the Urim and the Thummim. We don't really know to this day what exactly was the Urim and the Thummim, but, but, but sometimes when they'd go and inquire of the Lord, they'd go, the priest would go with the Urim and the Thummim. Uh, but here they have, he has teraphims, which were to inquire of the will of the gods. And, so, and then he has this Levite as a priest, his own son, which again is in violation of Exodus chapter 29 in Numbers chapter 16. You remember number 16 particularly, there was uh, uh, Korah, Datham, and Byram who, who wanted to be included in the priest's office and wanted the priest, priesthood also. They were Levites, but they wanted to be priests also. And so there was this, there was this uh, 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 of course, they were destroyed. And then God said, you take rods and give to every tribe, and, 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 and the rod that buds will put an end to this fight over who should be the priests, who family. And of course Aaron's rod, it was Aaron's rod that budded. So, um, and, and so, and again, so he goes on and violates another commandment. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 5 through 8. Deuteronomy 12, 5 through 8. <clears throat> And this, this shows us what happens when you start down that road of will worship. Doing it your way. Deuteronomy 12, verse 5. But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall you seek, and thither thou shalt come. And thither you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and heave offerings of your hand and your vows and your free will offerings and the firstlings of your herds and of your flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and ye shall rejoice in all that you put your hand unto, ye and your households, wherein the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Uh, and ye shall not do after all the things that we do here this day, every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. You know, if you get to the end of Judges chapter 18, You'll notice this phrase, verse 31. And they set up in, up Micah's graven image. You know, the Danites took it eventually. And they took the priest also, or the Levite, who we'll see here in a minute. And they set up this graven image, which he had made, all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. You know, it's interesting. This is in the tribe of Dan. Where did Jeroboam set one of his golden calves? In the tribe of Dan. You see, this is all, all this took place in Micah's home in the hill country of Ephraim, not far from Shiloh, which was the right place to worship. It's where the tabernacle was placed during the periods of the judges. And what you have here is an appearance of doing what is right. I mean, he had returned the money. He had admitted he took the money. He had returned the money. He had 
the money had been consecrated to God, quote unquote, but everything was done as they saw fit. Not according to God's will. And again, Colossians 2.22 describes that as will worship. Self-devised worship. You might say that Micah disobeyed minor commandments. You know, not, not adding the fifth part. You know, not bringing the sacrifice to the temple. But then he broke a, and again, I hate this terminology, but it's popular today, a major commandment, which said not to make any graven images. You know, Isaiah 31 says this, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. So, you have this persistence in real worship, and everything seems to be okay. Furthermore, he seems to have the blessing of God. Look at verse 7. So, he's, he's got this, these images now. He's got his own house of worship. He, he sets up his son to be a priest, which, again... It was a clear violation of Scripture, so we're going to, you know, make that a little bit better. Verse 7, there was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And commentators say that, that, you know, of course, Levites aren't of the tribe of Judah, but evidently his mother must have been of the tribe of Judah. But anyway, he sojourned there, and the man departed out of the city from Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn where he could find a place, and he came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, as he sojourned. Micah said unto him, Whence comest thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and go to sojourn where I find a place. Micah said unto him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a priest, and I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year, and a suit of apparel, and and thy victuals. This is food. So the Levite went in. The Levite was content to dwell with a man, and the young man was unto him as one of his sons. And Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest, and was in the house of Micah. Then said Micah, Now know I that the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. So, several things come to mind here. What was a Levite doing in Bethlehem, Judah? That's not a city of the Levites. Joshua 21 gives us a list of specifically designated Levitical cities. They were called sanctuary cities. Not the same with our sanctuary cities. But they were called sanctuary cities where the Levites, they were places for the Levites to live. Bethlehem was not one of these. Uh, And again, the way God intended for the Levites to live was by what the people offered to God at the tabernacle. They lived off of that. Uh, We saw some of that from Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. But again, because the Levites or the Israelites failed to obey God's laws, the support system for the Levites failed as well. And this may explain why you have this one this young Levite wandering around from place to place. But 
But because now Micah has a Levite, a legitimate Levite, he is convinced that the Lord is going to bless his arrangement or his worship in his house. But he again was going against God's will. You know, isn't it, isn't isn't like he's going to manipulate God into blessing him, doing it his way? But what we see here very soon is what he has is a prophet for hire. <laughs> you notice in verse. Verse 10 again, And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a priest, and I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year, and a suit of apparel, and thy victuals." So the Levite went in. A prophet for hire. Go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. <clears throat> John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf cometh, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and have known of mine. You know, we, we, we uh, uh, in Jude, the Bible talks about Balaam, the son of Bozer, who, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. He was a prophet for hire. And then we soon see that in the next chapter. And we're going to go on to the next chapter, but we soon see that in the next chapter. And, and when the Dan, now we're going to look at this, all of this, but, but the, the, the Danites, Again, this is, this is, it's interesting again in verse 1. In those days there was no king in Israel. Uh, and in those days the Dan, tribe of the Danites sought them an inheritance for dwelling. For unto that day all their inheritance had not fallen them among the tribes of Israel. So there's no king in it. And, you know, they, they, and they didn't love a, under God's kingship. They didn't follow him. So they sought them a, a place to dwell in. Now that brings up a question. Wasn't weren't they given their inheritance? Didn't Joshua and the elders of Israel give the, give each tribe their inheritance? Why is it they're still seeking an inheritance? Go to Judges chapter one. Judges chapter one. Verse thirty four. Here's the reason. <clears throat> and the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountain, for they would not suffer them to come down to the valley. But the Amorites would dwell on Mount Harris and Agilon and Shelbin, yet the land, hand of the house of Joseph prevailed, so that they became tributaries. And the coast of the Amorites was from the going up of Akabim from the rock and upwards. So the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains. Uh, you know, they, they were not able to overcome the Amorites' presence and their pressure against them 
them, so they sought an easier inheritance. And, and you remember when we were looking at the, the book of the early part of the book of Judges, none of the tribes really drove out all the all the inhabitants of the land, and that was the reason God left them to prove them. They they weren't willing to fight for the Lord and do what God said. Therefore, God left them. So instead of relying on the Lord and casting themselves upon God, they seek for an easier enemy to overcome. In fact, uh, in Joshua chapter 19, it talks about this. Joshua 19. Joshua 19, verse uh, 40. And the seventh lot came out for the tribe of the children of Dan, according to the families, and it, and it tells all the places the children of Dan were to have. And then verse 47 says this, And the coast of the children of Dan went out too little for them. Therefore the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem, and took it, and smote it with the edge of the sword, and possessed it, and dwelt therein, and called Leshem Dan, after the name of Dan their father. And this is what chapter uh, 18 of Judges is about. Uh, they go to take this other place that was easier to take. Uh, uh, so instead of persisting in their effort to appropriate God's allotment, they look for something that's easier. And, you know, this is kind of a picture of God's people not following God's will because of the hardship and the difficulty or the pressure from the world. And of course, in the, in the process of doing this, they come by Micah's house, where this Levite is. Uh, and they spend the night there and they recognize the, the Levite. And so, you know, again, he's a prophet for hire. He tells them, you know, what, what, uh, what he is to Micah, verse 4. And he said unto them, Thus and thus dealeth Micah with me, and hath hired me, and I am his priest. And, and uh, uh, you know, you would think that they would say, you know, well, that's not right. <laughs> but they didn't. Instead, they said to the Levite, verse 5, they said unto him, Ask counsel, we pray thee of God, that we may know whether our way which we go shall be prosperous. You know, there's no rebuke against the Levite for his unfaithfulness. Um, all they cared about was, we want somebody to prove our way. And again, notice verse 6. This is the typical answer of a prophet for hire. And the priests unto them, go in peace before the Lord, is your way wherein ye go. Um, so now they've got the stamp of approval of a Levite, a man of God. But the Levite wasn't speaking on God's behalf. He was speaking on what he saw fit. And, of course, again, as, the reason for this is it's convenient or an easy place. It's an easy target. Notice verses 7 to 10. Then the five men departed and came to Laish and saw the people... This is the same place that was mentioned in, in, in Judge, or Joshua 19, Leshem. 
And saw the people that were therein, how they dwelt careless after the man of the Sidonians, quiet and secure. There was no magistrate in the land that might put them to shame in anything. And they were far from the Sidonians and had no business with any man. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an easy target. It's, it's a bountiful place. Uh, they came to their brethren, to Zor and Eshtol, and their brethren said unto them, What say ye? And they said, Arise, that we may go up against them. We have seen the land. Behold, it is very good. And are ye still? Be not slothful to go and to enter and to possess the land. When ye go, you shall come unto a people secure, to a large land, for God hath given it unto your hands, a place where there is no want of anything that is in the earth. So this is their reasoning for taking this place. It was an easy target. It was convenient, you might say. You know, Amos 4, or Amos 6, 1 through 6 says, Woe to them that are in ease in Zion, and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations, to whom the house of Israel came. Pass ye unto Cano, and see, from thence go ye to Hamath the great, then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Be they better than these kingdoms, or their border greater than your border? Ye that put far away the evil day, and cause the seat of violence to come near, that lie upon beds of ivory, and stretch themselves upon their couches, and eat the lambs out of the flock, and the calves out of the midst of the stall, that drink wine in bowls, and anoint themselves with cheap ointments, but they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. See, rather than fight for what God gave them, they want the easy way out. What did Paul tell Timothy? 2 Timothy 4. Fight the good fight of faith. He told the he said, I have fought the fight. If you're going to be faithful to the Lord, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight the world. You're going to have to fight your flesh. You mentioned this morning that, that Paul said, I, I, I keep my body into subjection. It means he, he fought his flesh. But here they want ease. Beds of ivory to stretch themselves upon. Eat the lambs out of the flock. Drink wine in bowls. Not just the cup, not the table of the cup, but bowls. How many of you sit down at the table and you have a bowl to drink out of? And then we see here also the prophet for hire exposed. <clears throat> Notice verse 17. So they're, they're going up to this place now. In verse 17, the five men, they sent out five men to spy first, and then they came back with this report, and now there are 600 men of war going up. And the five men that went to spy out the land went up and came in thither and took the graven image and the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image, and the priest stood in the entering of the gate with the 600 men that were appointed with weapons of war. And these went into Micah's house and fetched the carved image, the ephod, the teraphim, and the molten image. Then said the priest unto them, What do ye? And they said unto him, Hold thy peace. Lay thine hand upon thy mouth, and go with us, and be to us a father and a priest. Is it better for thee to be a priest unto the house of one man, or that thou be the priest unto a tribe and a family in Israel? Hey, you know, this, is, this, is, this is what today's terminology would be. We can give you a bigger salary. You have more people. 
you'll have everything you could want. Just come with us. And the priest's heart was glad. And he took the ephod and the teraphim and the graven image and went in the midst of the people. The priest's heart was glad. You see, he was a prophet for hire. A prophet for hire. He had no problem if it meant more money taking what wasn't his. Verse 31, verse 30 and 31, <clears throat> says the children of Dan set up the graven image, and Jonathan, here, this is, this is the guy, this is his name, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh. Um, one commentator I read said that he was the grandson of Moses. I don't know if that's true. Uh, it's the only, only one of about four I read. I was trying to find out if other, anyone else said that, but... Anyway, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. Now, most commentators say that captivity referred to would be the Philistine captivity, which would have been during the days of the judges. Um, but anyway, uh, or you know, it could have been, again, Jeroboam set up a, a, a calf there. And they set up Micah's graven image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. So here you have this, what began, might, might have begun as a seemingly small thing, ends up with a, with a um, house of worship, just like they had at Shiloh, in total rebellion and opposition to God. How does this apply to us today? You know, think about this. What happens when you reject God's word? Well, number one, when you reject God's word, you cannot tell right from wrong. It clouds your judgment. So you end up asking God to bless things that God doesn't, isn't pleased with, or bless you with things God knows has no desire for you to have. And you may feel confident that you're asking the right thing when it's not the right thing. Joe and Israel thought sure they were right in asking for a king. And God gave them a king. But when Samuel brought them together in First Samuel chapter thirteen, First Samuel chapter thirteen, and uh, told them about their king, and then pronounced how God felt about it. No, I'm sorry, it's chapter twelve, First Samuel twelve.
1 Samuel 12, verse 16. Now therefore, stand and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call on the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain, that ye may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, that ye have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking you a king. And Samuel called on the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God, that we die not. We have added unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. Question. But did they renege on their request? No. They still wanted a king. They still wanted a king. Secondly, when you reject God's word, you get deceived by the appearance of success. I mean, wasn't everything working out for Micah? I mean, he gives the money back. They make this image. He So he, you know, he knows that only Levites are supposed to work as priests. Well, he doesn't have one, so he makes a son and along comes a Levite. Well, surely that's the blessing of God. Very easy to be deceived by appearances. Appearances. But just because it appears to be successful doesn't make it right. You often hear this phrase. Must be doing something right. Church is growing. You know what I always say? So are the cults. So is Islam. Just because a church is growing doesn't mean it's right. And not that I don't want our church to grow. I want our church to grow. But just because it's growing doesn't mean it's right. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2 says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required as stewards that a man be found faithful. See, God's... God's not interested in convenience or success. He's interested in faithfulness. He's looking for faith. If you're looking for what appears successful or what's easy, let me ask you this. Was it convenient or was it easy the way God told him to conquer Jericho? I mean, just march around it once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, march around it seven days. And then the walls will come down flat. No, it wasn't easy. It wasn't convenient. It didn't even look like it was very bright. Uh, but it took faith on their part. It was an act of faith on the children of Israel's part. But it took some work. Jericho was a big city. So we must not be deceived by appearances. Appearances. Just because it may look successful or right doesn't mean it is. 
does it line up with the Word of God? That's the question we need to ask. Third thing, when you reject God's Word, you cannot deal with the root of sin. Uh, you know, the root of sin is, is, is simply doing what you see, you see fit instead of how God sees it. And the idea here, I, I was thinking back to the difference between uh, Saul and David. You know, when you reject God's word and doing right was right in the sight of God, you reject him from being your king and you set yourself up as your own king, your own authority. You do what maximizes or helps your agenda, your gain, your pleasure. You make yourself out to be a king. And that was the difference between Saul and David. Saul was all about Saul. And furthering Saul's kingdom. David wanted God to be glorified. I mean, if that meant dancing before the Lord with all his might and Saul's daughter making fun of him because he abased himself... He made himself like one of the people. That's what he did. That was what she, she criticized him for. You made you abased yourself. You made yourself like one of the lowest of the people. Saul would have never have done that. After all, he's the king. See, Saul to Saul, Saul was king to David. God was king. So how is it with you? Go to Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to read it. Colossians chapter 2. <laughs> now this is, this is, this, this passage here, the context Uh, is the idea is 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 denying yourself or what we call today asceticism, which which uh, uh, they practice. You know, the best best example of that is monks and nuns. You know, they deny themselves the pleasures and the conveniences of life for the Lord. And. Uh, and what it is, is will worship. Look at um, verse 20. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men? In other words, again, touch not, taste not, heal not, handle not. You know, some of the things there, taste not. We will need certain things. Just like the Jews. Would not eat certain things. But God has commanded that all things can be... We can eat all things. He's given us all things richly to enjoy. Which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship. Again, the idea here is self-designed or desired worship 
and humility and neglecting of the body. You know, they, they, they have this form of, the Pharisees had it. They, they, they pride themselves that they fasted twice a week. You know, they gave tithes of mint and rue. And what did Jesus say? They gave out of their abundance. But the woman, the widow lady, gave all that she had. See, again, it was will worship and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. So again, you know, this is an example, and it, and it, and it's, today it's the opposite extreme. It's not denying themselves. It's giving themselves all the pleasures of life. You know, so I've often said, religion is big money. You know, TV evangelist makes millions of dollars. They're profits for hire. They tell you what you want to hear. Uh, they have they have come up with their own way of worshiping God. You know, one of the things I read about Joel Steen, he never mentions the word Jesus or the name Jesus Christ. Just the generality God. You know, the cost... To reject God's word, to reject God, our king is great. It leads to apostasy. It leads to destruction. It leads to what we're going to find in the next two chapters of, of the book of Judges. You know, yeah, it's the easy way out. But we must ask ourselves, not that, not that obeying the Lord is always hard. We must ask ourselves, is it right? Does it please the Lord? In the end, it's the easy way, as we shall see.